0: Hello friends and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to make sure you stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, or catch up on previous episodes you may have missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subbing is always free and ensures you never miss another episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our locked-on rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On this special episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to have some thoughts on Winnipeg's game against Vancouver tonight. I'm not going to give like a full rundown just because I feel like it's going to be extremely late. There's a 10 p.m., actually 10.30 p.m. Eastern start time. So for me, you know, against Vancouver, I don't really have the brain power to record a full-on episode at like, you know, uh, I don't know, 1.30 a.m. my time. It's going to be an extremely late game. So I'm going to give some preliminary thoughts from the first period or so towards the end of the episode and then give more detailed thoughts in analysis on tomorrow's show. But, on tonight's episode, I also did want to cover a couple of recent controversies. We'll start off with the first one that's probably one of the easier ones to discuss. It was referenced on yesterday's show about, uh, you know, an NHL referee, in this case Tim Peel, talking about how he wanted to assign Nashville a penalty while playing against the Red Wings. And this penalty was discussed, I believe, with Forsberg or something, and in this situation, I think, of course, it often comes down to the context. Maybe the player that was giving, you know, Tim Peel some grief or something deserved to get a penalty somewhere, and he was trying to get the guy to settle down, or somebody had been taking liberties, or maybe there was a penalty that he felt needed to be evened up. Either way, I think it speaks to a larger issue with the NHL in that a lot of NHL officiating isn't really used to enforce rules so much as it is managing the game flow. In some ways, I do understand it because the NHL moves extremely fast at speed. It's certainly at a pace that a lot of other sports don't really match, and so when you're trying to make on-ice calls, it really is about not impacting the flow as much. Or at least that's the way it should be. What we often see, though, is that, you know, essentially refs are trying to manage the pace of the game and avoid either slowing it down or trying to add offense or something in ways that maybe they aren't even intending to, but they kind of do by adding power plays and trying to make stoppages. This philosophy of game management does, in fact, exist in football because you often have to deal with guys who are on yellow cards or who have maybe committed a foul or two and you let it go the first time, but you have to officiate after that and take their name down. I think where hockey really differs is because you have an active power play situation where somebody loses a man for two minutes or more, and that can actually shape the course of the game. In football, you know, a yellow card definitely does alter a player's behavior in some areas, but by the same token, you don't lose that player immediately. You've got him for the rest of the pitch as long as that said player doesn't actually take another yellow card or do something reckless. In hockey, because you have the power play, I think, you know, intrinsically the structure of the game is just different, and so making these penalty calls or not making them significantly changes the outcome of a game, especially over the long-term sequence. You might look at the distribution of penalties and think it's not a big deal, which on the whole it may not be a serious issue, but I think it often speaks to the philosophy of the way NHL enforcement and refing is done, that the sort of subjectivity and game management is expressed in this manner. You know, Tim Peel audibly saying, I have to give this team a penalty on the next infraction or something, or I'm looking to give them a penalty, is kind of a problem. You're not supposed to have this kind of thinking when it comes to rules enforcement. It should be a a fairly blanket, black and white sort of interpretation of you committed foul X, you have to be penalized for it. Now, there are situations where maybe that's not as favorable if you want to stop disrupting the flow of the game, but... I think at the same time, it gets into a really murky gray area because you also have to be aware that if you allow infractions to continue, guys are going to start taking liberties. Players move at an extremely fast pace and they often try to do stuff in between the whistles or at speeds where you don't really detect it the first time or maybe you let it go and so they start testing the limits or guys are just really amped up on adrenaline and they do some really stupid stuff. It happens. Uh, And so I, I understand from a referee's perspective why it's so complicated. But I think the idea of... Managing the game flow and trying to make certain statements with things like power plays, it's just a different structural part of the game than something like a yellow card in football. That's just a warning. A power play can actually affect a scoreline, and it really highlights the need for the NHL to completely restructure how it does these sort of penalty calls and infractions, because right now the way it's doing it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I think in some ways, it does have some appropriate lessons, but by the same token, it also doesn't really function the way it should. And Tim Peel ended up getting fired, which I thought was really funny, because Peel was actually retiring after the season anyways, and he can basically be the guy who takes the fall for it. You know, he's he's certainly not really doing anything the NHL actually disagrees with. His brand of officiating, I think, is very much embraced by the league. It's embraced by at least the the ownerships and team managers. I would not be shocked if a lot of people thought Tim Peel didn't actually deserve to get fired over this. I'm sure there are plenty of them that would say what he did and what he said wasn't wrong and so he doesn't really deserve to be punished for it. But I I often look at the situation and I feel like the NHL just did this as like a PR stunt. They have to look like they've got the big stick in this argument and that they can sort of smack down infractions and make everyone sort of forget that in fact the entire NHL reffing system is kind of broken. The rest of us, probably regardless, with a lot more suspicion, and rightly so, because I think the way that the NHL handled this is very silly. You know, firing Tim Peel, a guy who's retiring, doesn't actually mean anything. If you don't have a lot of structural reform about the way, and especially the philosophy of NHL officiating is conducted, you know, you're going to have a serious issue long term. Is officiating there to ensure an even and fair playing field, or is it supposed to control the flow of the game? You know, the NHL kind of needs to make a decision here, and their their statement of firing Tim Peel rather than addressing the core issue of all of this, to me, is just kind of funny. And I get it, officiating around, you know, the world of sports tends to be pretty poor in a lot of different sports, but there are also plenty of examples where, for the most part, you know, officials and referees kind of get it right. I think it's a very complicated situation and a dicey road, and if you make one decision, you might start a precedent and, and a chain of reactions that you don't really expect, but... I also think that the NHL can't really continue just ignoring this problem. One need only watch how they try to officiate a game where guys are slashing and hacking at each other to understand that NHL referees are in very complicated situations and they really do affect the impact of the game by either calling or not calling penalties to some degree you have to consider drawing some firmer lines and I feel like the lack of those guidelines or, or at least stricter rule sets really makes it uh, an almost impossible task and the way the NHL handled this whole situation definitely puts more people on Tim Peel's side than it does the the league's thought process it's a it's a dicey road and I think it's not something that we're going to see resolution for at least for the foreseeable future but hopefully this situation kind of reveals a little bit more about why the NHL's current officiating system needs an overhaul I doubt it's going to make much of a difference but we will know in, in due Time, I'm sure. That was the biggest controversy of the day as far as the NHL is concerned, but on a more micro level, I thought there would be a very important controversy to discuss in regards to the Winnipeg Jets. Before we discuss said controversy, though, I did want to tell you about a couple of things. The first thing being the Locker Room app and why you need to download it on your mobile device right now. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, and more in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans from around the world just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to big news or rumors, joyful moments, sad moments, everything in between. And best of all, you'll find plenty of locked-on hosts running Locker Room sessions all around from our MLB, NHL, and NBA podcasts. I'll be joining the app very soon, so be sure to get started, set your account up, and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all in the app, and I'll be sure to let you know once the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets room is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. For those of you who are long-time listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm very much a personal fan of the Built Bar Protein Bar. If you've ever had one, it's the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bars are amazingly low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high in fiber, and they taste fantastic. They're always coated in 100% chocolate, so they taste more like a candy bar. As many amazing flavors of Bilt Bars as there are out in the great wide world, there can only be one truly greatest flavor of all of them. It's time for you to choose the true champion flavor in Built Bar Madness the most delicious bracket challenge in the world. Today's matchup is cookies and cream versus coconut almond, and easily I have to say that cookies and cream for me is going to take the cake. To have your voice heard in this great matchup, head on over to BuiltBar.com pages slash brackets and cast your vote right now. We're currently finding out the uh, the semifinals matchups between several different flavors, and Cookies and Cream, for me, is going to have to take this first bracket, but if you think differently, be sure to cast your vote for Coconut, again, at BuiltBar.com pages slash brackets. While you're there, restock up on some of your favorite Built Bar flavors, and be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 to receive 15% off when you're checking out. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are going to be covering a hot controversy on Winnipeg social media about the Jets. But before we go any further, here's why you need to have Locked On Today in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And now onto our fun controversy that's also a bit of a hot news item in Locked On Today kind of style. We've got the Winnipeg Jets social media in an uproar over a TikTok ranking all of the NHL teams in terms of player hotness, which I think is a really funny concept. Um, but somehow the Jets actually ranked 20th overall. TikTok user Great Job meredith 4 actually had a really funny ranking system um, based on like verified hotties kind of cute, and some other rankings in between. Interestingly, though, she wasn't really impressed with Winnipeg's players, which I think is kind of funny, because I feel like Winnipeg actually tends to get a decent amount of folks saying, yeah, we've got attractive players. Whether you dig the grizzled veteran looks of Matthew Perot or Blake Wheeler, or you're more into the, uh, the long-flowing locks of guys like Sami Niku or Laurent Bressois, Winnipeg has some very fab-looking folks. Funny enough, though, she did actually give the Jets credit for having, like, half the team saying she thought they looked cute, which, you know what? I'll give her credit for it. That's pretty fair. You know, Winnipeg being kind of cute. All right, fine, whatever. But seriously, zero verified hotties? Like, really? I feel like the league as a whole isn't, like, amazingly attractive. I don't know. I feel like the Jets are pretty up there. I would rank them at least in the top three of attractiveness. And, you know, I'm obviously biased because I'm a Winnipeg fan. But by the same token, man, you know, there's just not that many amazingly attractive hockey players out there. So I look at the Jets and I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's a pretty good looking squad of guys. 20th overall, though. Eesh, that seems a little low, man. I can't lie. This one, I think everyone was kind of joking about throughout the day because, to be honest, it's just a really funny proposition, and I think the, uh, the whole ranking system that Meredith used was absolutely hysterical. I thought it was really funny. It was uh, not exactly what we would call scientific, but I don't think you're really looking for that when you're making a TikTok. This is the, uh, the level of controversy that the Jets surround themselves with. I, I will say that it's kind of funny because Winnipeg generally doesn't get itself into hot water, and I feel like, when, you know, when people talk about the Jets, oftentimes the Jets kind of go a bit under the radar. A couple of years ago, that definitely wasn't the case. I think that that team played extremely attractive hockey. It wasn't just the players who were hot. The Jets actually were hot in terms of their performance. Now that the Jets have kind of declined, maybe people have forgotten about them a little bit, but hey, you know, 20th overall, I guess people are just sleeping on us once again, which is pretty crazy because now that we've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, this dude just does not take a single bad photo. Every single one of his selfies or whatever just seems to be extremely photogenic, and it's even better when he adds his dogs. Maybe people think his, like, Baby Yoda profile photo is actually him, I don't know. But either way, you've got plenty of photogenic guys on the Jets, and I feel like Winnipeg as a whole, we as Jets fans always take it on the chin, but it's kind of funny. It's one of the situations where I'm like, ah, maybe if the Jets actually played more attractive hockey, people would be like, that's a really hot team all around. Looking back on the season, it's been a weird year or two, and I feel like the Jets have sort of not really gotten a lot of attention outside of guys like Connor Hellebuck and Nikolai Ehlers. When you think about the sort of brand recognition for this team, it's not often that the Jets get talked about on social media, especially from outsiders. Part of me really misses when the Jets were actually considered a really hot-to-trot team and people were just going goo-goo and gaga over this team. I mean, I missed the days when it felt like Winnipeg was on the verge of a Stanley Cup, which would have been an absolutely beautiful occurrence. Obviously, that didn't happen. Broke my heart. I, I still have a soft spot for the Caps, but let's be real. That year should have should have been Winnipeg's. I really feel it deep in my bones that Winnipeg had, had that pathway to the cup. They really should have beaten Vegas. Didn't happen. And uh, I always carry those memories with me. But like they say, I guess any kind of press is some kind of press. And certainly that does apply to getting ranked 20th overall in a list of hottest NHL teams. What a crazy ranking. Let me know what you guys think the Jets should be ranked at, whether you think 20th overall is actually fair, or if you think this team has like plenty of verified hotties, Be sure to let me know at hlovinglico and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Up next, we're actually going to dive into some real hockey stuff. Like I said earlier, this is a very late start time for Winnipeg at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern my time versus Vancouver, so I'm only going to have like first period highlights for the most part. Maybe some from period two if I'm really feeling ambitious, but for now you'll just have to settle for at least a little bit of game action. We'll have a full breakdown on tomorrow's episode, so be on the lookout for that. Before we dive into Jets hockey, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, knowing the exact place that's extremely trustworthy and that you can rely on every single time is really difficult. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not a big sports fan? No problem. BetOnline has you covered with awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time, updated odds, and props in almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place bets on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has you covered for all the latest news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. Getting started is fast and easy. Just go to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Head on over to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Uh, We are closing out tonight with some final thoughts from the early portions of Winnipeg versus Vancouver. As this is a super late game, I didn't really want to record this podcast recapping the game because with a 10.30pm start time my time, it was going to be way too late and my brain cells are frankly having trouble keeping up. That said, if you're a silly goose like me and you stayed up late to watch this game, you probably at least enjoyed parts of it. Uh, But the first period we'll talk about, which is the main thing we'll focus on for this segment, I feel like this first period was kind of like, eh, you know, it was decent. Um, Both teams didn't really have great defensive coverage in front of their goaltenders. Vancouver especially looking really sharp out of the gates. I felt like they had really fast counters and some really great puck movement and some really good shots in front of Hellebuck. Connor was tested pretty early as Vancouver immediately had offensive pressure and Winnipeg just didn't really seem like it had its skating legs. You would have thought that the Jets were on like a a consecutive night for like a back-to-back sequence. I think to some degree we did expect, you know, Vancouver to have a bit more of a pushback just because in their last game after the second period on, they basically got pasted, which, you know, I think Vancouver was probably pissed about it. I feel like, you know, losing Horvat for a decent amount of the game certainly didn't make things easier but they wanted to come out with a bit of a statement, especially after getting plastered in the third period. And in this game, they did actually have a pretty bright start. And then they started getting themselves into some penalty trouble, which briefly halted their momentum and gave the Jets some time to create some nice dangerous looks down low. Once Winnipeg started skating, they were actually good at creating offensive opportunities. I thought the second line with Pierre-Luc Dubois... You know, was definitely a little bit brighter this time. Unlike it usually is, I would actually say PLD was probably the strongest player in this unit. Ehlers was fine on certain portions, but I think PLD was actually taking the lead, especially down low, in front of the net. He was creating some really good dangerous chances. He had some really great shots that Demko was, frankly, forced to make some good saves on. And in general, Dubois just looked a lot more engaged. I felt like, you know, PLD has occasionally found his footing a bit more when he's allowed to receive the puck down low near the slot or on the side of the net. Once he's down there, that's where he creates a lot of his best opportunities, and he's also just good at being a huge physical presence, creating screens, um, creating nice outlet options, and allowing space for Ehlers and Connor to do their thing. Aside from that, it was pretty end-to-end, but I don't think anyone was really in a particularly great position to score other than some of the really close chances that Hellebuck and Demko both dealt with. Winnipeg was credited with most of the dangerous opportunities in the opening 20 minutes, but of course, it could have gone either way, I feel like. Hellebuck is, is definitely the difference maker in this series. He's been very good in both games. Vancouver has definitely hit Winnipeg's slot with pretty frequent regularity. Um, this game, especially as the game wore on, the Jets started getting more defensively loose. As far as like, top performers are concerned, I, I don't really know if I have anyone in particular other than Dubois and maybe Hellebuck. Um, Demko was also very good. For Vancouver, Besser was pretty solid, Uh, Niels Hoglander had a couple of decent looks, JT Miller wasn't half bad, but aside from that, it's just been a a bit of a, uh, I, I wouldn't say uneventful because it definitely had some good scoring chances and opportunities for both sides, but aside from that, no actual goals. Finishing is definitely something that both teams can occasionally struggle with. Uh, thankfully for the Jets, that slightly changed as the game wore on, but we're not going to get too deeply into that. You'll hear more about the rest of this game on tomorrow's episode, where we'll have some more thorough breakdowns of Winnipeg's performance. But at least in this opening frame, it was pretty back and forth. It was definitely entertaining in a way. I just wouldn't say that it was particularly, like, engaging. Frankly, though, with how it is in the season and where the Jets are in the standings, I don't really care if it's particularly engaging. I just want the Jets to control play and end up winning. These are one of these situations where you basically just need to put away the points that you need to, especially because once you start getting into these later games against teams like, you know, Montreal, Toronto... Edmonton, Vancouver, put these put these teams to bed. Make sure that they can't really catch you if they're trailing you in the standings or if you want to play a little bit of catch-up to some of the upper crust, then these are the games that you have to put away regardless. You know, obviously these teams have probably not been at their best right now, but this is a game that the Jets were expected to win, and I think that their opening period of performance was okay. It wasn't great, um, especially the first, like, 5 to 10 minutes. Pretty rough but the hope was that the sharper Jets would start to show up as the game wore on. You'll find out which version of the Jets ended up showing up on tomorrow's episode, so stay tuned for that. As far as tonight's show is concerned, though, that will be it for this episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, Dynasty, and DFS League. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night. Go Jets go. See you tomorrow.